Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> Underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by our friends at BetMGM, the king of sports books. My name is Brendan Glasheen, your host. This week, NFL Week 10 Best Bets. We are back uh, each and every week. We have Brandon Anderson of Action Network, Luke Swain, aka Vegas Refund of Action Network, and we've got Grant Niefer joining us this week for our Best Bets episode. As a reminder, we have uh, best bets episodes in other sports as well out with the NBA podcast buckets. We've also got the line change podcast that you can tune into. Uh, we have those available wherever you get your podcast uh, throughout the course of those seasons. I know it's a very sporty time of year. Also, you can find this podcast included the other two I just mentioned. We are live also uh, once we're done our record, we're live on the action network YouTube page. So if you, do like watching us, you can like the video and also please subscribe to the Action Network YouTube page. And when you listen to the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and a review. You uh, can leave those reviews in Apple Podcasts, especially Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. You can find these guys individually in the free award-winning Action Network app. We are above 500 on Best Bets three consecutive weeks, week seven, five, and four, week Eight, six, and three. And last week, week nine, a five and four mark. Shout out Jill Collant, the touchdown better. He had Devontae Smith plus 200. So again, it's not always about the record, right, Brandon? It's not always about the record. It's right. about those odds as well. And if you're getting that good CLV and also just putting in those picks, and Brandon knows that as a futures better. So without further ado, let's dive into week 10 best bets. Brandon, I turn to you first as always. What are we eyeing for our first one? Brandon, we're going back to the island, but not this year's island, last year's island. Let's go Seattle hmm. Island, Seahawks, minus six against the Commanders. Look, Seattle was not good last week, but I want to overreact. Baltimore is a bad matchup. Baltimore is really good, but now they're going to stay in the DMV. Oh, they're home, but they're, they're facing another team from there, Washington, who I'm looking to face. Washington is four and five, but they don't look the part of a four and five team. They're dead last defensively by DVOA the last four weeks. 
they traded away the pass rush, right? Montez Sweat is gone. Chase Young is gone. Seattle traded for pass rush. They've got Leonard Williams now. So I think this sets up for a really good trenches game for Seattle. We know we love to focus on that. Geno Smith, when he's not under pressure, has been really good this season. And I think that he can stay mostly clean. And then you get Washington corners that are very beatable against DK Metcalf, I think should have a big game. Obviously Lockett, Smith and Jigba. Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, they've been really good. Like Seattle's offense has a lot of very strong underlying numbers. They continue to not be good on third down, not be good in the red zone. Those numbers typically tend to regress. And I keep waiting for the spot. When is it going to regress positively for Seattle and get the big, the big game, the big offensive uh, uh, score? And I, I think it could be this game. I think it's a good setup for them. Good home field advantage for Seattle, Washington, worse on the road, worse early in the first half. So this could get away early. couple trends, of course. Pete Carroll after a loss. Boy, did they lose last week. 47-29-4 against the spread, 62%. And then here's one that I've heard Raybon mention as well on the sixth pack. Teams that have a 60% win percentage or better after a blowout 20 or more point loss. That's definitely Seattle here. 68% hit rate. And if you just look at week 10 to 15, so the teams that we know are good, we know Seattle is good. Seattle is good. Don't let Baltimore confuse you. Just week 10 to 15, 60% win percentage or better after 20 point loss, 39 and six ATS, 87% covering by almost 10 points a game. I think this is the spot where Seattle puts it together. I'll go Seahawks minus six. So correct me if I'm wrong, this feels very similar to when the Ravens blasted the Lions and then the Lions come back and they redeem themselves and play well against the Raiders. That that feels kind of a, a similar, that fits the trends, right? Very similar. Uh, I think I even made that pick on this podcast and even played Detroit Escalators saying, hey, we've been waiting for Detroit to have it all put together. And then if I remember right, they came out and put up like 500 plus yards of offense to 150 but had like 700 field goals and stupid penalties and whatever and ended up winning by like 12 and hitting none of the escalators. But they dominated that game. Josh McDaniels got fired two days later. (laughs) Honestly, it wouldn't totally shock me if we got something like this. I think Ron Rivera is kind of just a dead man walking at this point with this team. So I like Seattle to get a big win here. Okay, very good. And just for fun, let's take a look. Total yards for the Lions in that game, 486. But again, it's a different team, the Raiders. And I don't think Ron Rivera is quite in the spot where he's going to get fired after a loss this week. Probably not. They're hovering around 500. But uh, very similar. Very good. And you were on the Lions last week. Luke, I feel like you're going to echo this one. You you and Brandon always seem in alignment on your picks. (laughs) I'm going to go the Seahawks as well for a lot of reasons that Brandon just stated. But uh, it is... Just backing a Seahawks team that we know is good, like Brandon said, coming off probably one of the bigger beatdowns that we've seen in a while. Um, Washington, they beat the Patriots, but that's not saying a lot. And this is going to be a back-to-back road trip for them. And teams going to Seattle off of as a second leg of a back-to-back road trip uh, from east to west are 15 and 23 against the spread. So that's 39%. So like this is going to be a tough travel spot for Washington, which even without it, like I like like the Seahawks, but that just adds to the enticement that this minus six is currently that I think we're getting a good price based off of uh, that beat down where the Seahawks just played probably two of maybe like probably two of the best defenses in the league between the Ravens and the Browns. 
And Gino has like drastic splits when he goes from man and zone. Like he really struggles when he goes against man. And when he goes against zone, he's kind of a different beast where he's eighth in EPA in the league against zone this year. And he's 21st against man. And Washington plays at a top 10 zone rate. Um, so this is definitely sets up well for Gino, who really has looked tough or bad the last two weeks. But again, it's the Browns and the Ravens. Those are just tough teams to go against. They're going to make a lot of the quarterbacks in the league look bad. Uh, and Washington just like I think they got they got lucky against the Patriots. Like they still won. Like I I was on the Patriots. I think they probably should have covered that game. Um, you bet the Patriots again? What have we talked about this on this very I, show? I, I, it's just it's an incredible thing at this point. Um, <laughs> I just need to like win one of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, Seahawks for all the reasons Brandon said, and it's just a great spot and a tough spot for Washington. Um, so Seahawks minus six, minus six and a half, either or. Okay, very good, uh, Grant. You've come on before and given us player props, and that is the direction you're heading in. It's actually a team we've talked about already. The, this player you're betting on is going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think the Bucks are overreacting a little bit to the matchup, but I'm going with Watson over anywhere from 188 to 192, depending on where you're getting at, 0.5 passing yards. To me, this line seems a little bit low. I mean, I get that the Ravens' pass defense is fantastic. I mean, those are the two best pass defenses in the league by a fairly wide margin, but getting this under 200 is pretty solid in this spot here. I mean, the Ravens are only giving up 170 passing yards per game, but they've had a fairly easy schedule for the most part, and they're not quite as good as the numbers show. Watson, he's been solid over the last few games where he's actually played a full game um, or played at all. Over 200 passing yards in each of those, right around 240 per game. He has solid receivers. I mean, Cooper's always a go-to guy. They're going to be airing it out. It's a six-and-a-half-point spread, so Baltimore's favored likely going to be throwing the ball late in the game Cleveland is so to me this line seems a little bit low it should probably be up at around 205 in the spot I mean Lamar Jackson on the other side less of a passer worse matchup and yet and they're the favorites and yet his line sitting at 202 and a half so there's just a discrepancy and I mean the view on Watson that he's always gonna just go out of a game injured which I mean has been the case a lot but he's still passing the ball 30 plus times in pretty much every single game he's playing 188 and a half, even versus a top tier pass defense is too low of a line. Yeah. And to your point about the books adjusting, I know his rushing prop is at 16 and a half, but I feel like there's still this public perception that Deshaun Watson is what he was when he was in Houston in the sense that he's not gaining and churning out yards with his legs. He's, been throwing the ball more often than we think and a trailing game script makes a lot of sense okay let's go to our second round of picks brandon what do you got well you were just on a defensive ugly looking game with browns ravens i'm gonna go to another one that we had a chance to not have to watch on sunday night but they we have flex scheduling now we stuck with it we're going with jets raiders i'm gonna take the under 37 what are we doing with the flex schedule thing They had Jets, Raiders. We decided we're going to keep it. We got Broncos, Vikings next week. I'm a Vikings fan. I don't want to watch that game. And they could have flexed out of Sunday night. They're keeping it there. Like, what's even the point of flex scheduling? If I got to watch this game, I got to make money off of it. So give me the under. I took this Sunday morning under 37 as kind of a bonus look ahead if you were on the app. It dropped a little bit. And every point, every half point matters. 
but it's risen back. We got a couple of Raiders corner injuries, I think, that maybe have moved it back to 37. That's a key number still. I'm going to grab the 37 here. So I think if you look at Jets Raiders, the case sort of makes itself, right? Both offenses stink. They're 29th and 30th in DVOA. They're both bottom five passing. They're both bottom seven running. Even with all the bad quarterbacks around the league, I just did like a midseason refresh at quarterback. I still rank Zach Wilson and Aiden O'Connell bottom four among quarterbacks in the league. So we have bad offenses that don't run, don't pass, have bad quarterbacks. And I think both defenses are good. Jets, we know the Jets are good. Obviously, they've been great even against really good quarterbacks. Since week four, Jets are number three DVOA defensively. Raiders are 12th during that span. Patrick Graham, their coordinator, has been doing really well. They've been better at home. They've got a few young guys on the line, at linebacker, starting to step up a little bit. I think they're a great defense. You know, to be a great defense, if you're facing Zach Wilson, right? It makes it pretty easy for you. So I I think this is a good spot for an under. It's just kind of one of those ugly games. Raiders offense scored 30 last week, and they all lit up the cigars to celebrate against the Giants and Tommy DeVito. Look, you can light the cigars to celebrate Josh McDaniels leaving. I'm fine with that. But they averaged under 16 points a game before that. Their defense is only allowing 18 points a game the last five games. So just not a lot of points here. Raiders 7-2 to the under this season. Only one game at 42, uh, one game above 42. Jets games, outside of one kind of higher scoring game against Denver, Jets games are averaging 33.7 points a game. So like, we know to bet Jets under, Zach Wilson unders. And then, the reason I was on this Sunday morning before I looked at it too closely, I'm just going to hit you with a slew of under trends here. This is like the most under trends I've ever seen in one game in, in Bet Labs <laughs> in our system. Home underdog unders. We've talked about that one. 62% the last two years. Prime time unders. You know that one by now. 62% the last four years. 76% this year. Night unders that are not Monday night when it's 37 to 40 at the total. 68% hit rate. And that's not the last two or four years. That's the entire system that we're tracking data. Games at 37 or below just the last four years. 22, 6, and a 1 to the under. 79%. And this year alone, totals at 38 or below. 9, 2, and a 1 to the under. So just everything is pointing toward the under here. It's not fun betting under 37 because like literally anything good they do, you're like, oh no, oh shoot, there goes another point for me. It's fine. If you're going to watch the game, you may as well bet it for it to be awful. And Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell is going to be awful. I don't think you mentioned Antonio Pierce too. I mean, I just think that speaks to your point about the belief defensively too. I know it's like a narrative thing, but it feels Pierce being a former yeah. A defensive guy, a champion. I mean, he's got he's got them believing. Like, they're trying. Yeah. Like, the Raiders yeah, they're, are not they're, trying. They're fired up. They're at home in Vegas. The other thing I noticed too is Josh Jacobs had his most rushing attempts of the season last week. Okay. And like Antonio Pierce, extremely strikes me as a dude that's going to be like, we defend and we run the football. Run the ball. So <laughs> it's like, all right, great, run the football, chew up the clock. Let's just just keep grinding the clock and, and get this. Don't let Zach Wilson back on the field. Just run another play up the middle. Just run the clock out and keep this low. Real quick, because I would imagine, as you said, folks are picking up on the, the prime time trends of betting unders in the Sunday night game. What would you bet it to? Like, because I'm seeing 36 and a half out there. Like, at what point do you say, okay, let's, I would, I would stay away from betting a total under? 
Uh, within reason, when I write my article with the every game, every team pick later in the week, and I do a lot of these under, like uh, we're recording Thursday, the, the Thursday night game is a classic, ugly, ugly under. The way I always say it in my column is bet 37 or the best number you can find. Like effectively, when the total gets this low, the research that I've done shows that they literally can't make it low enough. So like they're not going to drop it to 25 or something ridiculous. They're just going to keep sliding it down. And effectively, once the total is so low, there's not a number they can set it to to account for how bad the offenses look or how how dominant the defenses are. So I would just go ahead and take the under and just get the best number you can. Okay, very good. All right, Luke, what's your second one? I'm going to go with the Titans, who are right now plus one and a half at the Bucks. which this one, it's it's really, it's a simple breakdown, but... I mean, Levis, I, I was fading against the Falcons two weeks ago, thinking that fading the unknown, which we are somewhat realizing the unknown that he might actually be very good. Uh, the game against the Steelers, which was on a short week, was just an awful draw for a rookie quarterback going to Pittsburgh. And the Steelers ended up covering. It was an extremely lucky cover, to be honest. Uh, but the Titans were covering the entire week. And Levis, honestly, he looked good. The, like the box score, like the stats – Aren't, if you just look at them and you didn't see him play, you probably think he had an awful game. But Levis, like from the eye test, looked like he has it. And the one thing that you can notice is that Levis was struggling against man, but when he had his glimpses, it was against zone when Pittsburgh was in zone. And luckily, the Bucks play zone at probably the highest rate in the entire league. At least 80% of the time, the Bucks are in zone. Uh, so the matchup for zone with Levis, who's a rookie, pans out much better than the Steelers um, last week. So Titans at plus one and a half. I'm a believer in Levis. The matchup's good on defense. And the Bucs just aren't going to be, like, they can't run the ball, like, in general. And they're definitely not going to be, run the, be able to run the ball against this Titans team. And Baker put up 30-plus against the Texans. Um, and I just don't see that happening against this Titans defense where the secondary has had problems. But at the same time, like, I just... They're not going to be able to run the ball at all. And I'm fine with Baker being, having to beat me because history tells us that that's probably not – it's going to happen a lot less than likely. Um, so in the last cherry, which if I just cut out everything that I just said before and you just bet on this one angle, like you'd probably be fine. But I've said on this podcast a hundred times how much I love Rabel. And we have Rabel versus Todd Bowles. Who Todd Bowles is just a pure fade. And – we're getting Mike Vrabel at a small number, and this number is going from a pick to plus one. I think they were favored at one time, so as long as it really doesn't get higher, then like I would still take it at any of those three. But Mike Vrabel versus Todd Bowles, done. Easy. Titans plus one and a half. Okay, and as it relates to Will Levis, Grant has an angle on the quarterback of the Titans. Yeah, strangely enough, I like the Titans to win this game. I'm right there with Luke. I'm pretty much everything except for Will Levis is going to be good. He's not good yet. I mean, he's still kind of just scrambling, like kind of buffering whenever he's throwing a lot of times. And he's gotten lucky a lot of times. I mean, we look at the first week, two of the DeAndre Hopkins passing touchdowns. One, he had like 10 yards of separation. The other one probably should have been P.I. And then defender just stopped. Even last week, he got he's getting lucky with some of these big throws he kind of reminds me right now of Josh Allen, like his first year in the league kind of slings it kind of really raw. Like I believe Levis is going to be really good. And I believe he's not that bad right now, 
But I also know the Titans probably going to try and run the ball a decent amount. Last week, short week going up against Pittsburgh. It was kind of a weird spot. He came out just absolutely chucking the ball, then stopped, and then had to throw a ton later on in the game where he didn't look quite as good late in the game. I don't think he's quite there yet is basically what it is. And 220, while it seems like a low line, it might even go higher than that realistically. I'm taking it now. I'll probably end up taking it again for more money closer to game time because everyone kind of saw the first two weeks and believes Levis is good. But realistically, he has a ways to go before he actually becomes good. And the Titans are still going to try and run the ball on the ground. I mean, look at we look at Derrick Henry's numbers every single week. Blowout or they're trailing most of the game, he's going to get 14, maybe 15 rush attempts. It's a close game or they're leading, he's going to get 30 in those spots, and they're just going to try and hammer the ball on the ground. So anytime it's a close game, the Titans tend to run the ball a lot, going to keep the ball a little bit out of Levis' hands. I don't know if Rabel actually likes Levis or not, but um, huh. the number just seems a little bit high. Not a great matchup going up against Tampa Bay. I know they've been a little bit worse defensively than we thought they would this year, but still not a great matchup. I think that they're going to run a little bit more conservative offense. We saw Levis throw the ball 39 times last week, but again, most of that was in the second half when they had to try and come back and miss pass, miss pass, big play, miss pass, miss pass. So kind of adds up. I don't expect the same volume. I expect something similar to what we saw in Atlanta where he ended up with 238 yards, but that was with several big plays including a 61 yard touchdown okay yeah and and he was like i think what levis if I remember correctly in that thursday night game he was around 189 like hovering around 190 and then all of those yards he accumulated against the Steelers were in the that final drive what was the i don't think you said the actual bet levis under 220 and a half passing yeah. yards cool. passing yards under yeah yeah it's <laughs> Real quick, any any concern? And again, you might be right, Grant, just on the game script. But Derrick Henry's snap count was down compared to Spears. Any concern about that as far as as the Titans running the ball? No. So I mean, we kind of see this oh, throughout the course of the season. Snap count between Spears and Henry has been pretty similar almost every single game. Like favors Spears yep. when they're trailing, favors Henry a little bit when they're ahead, but it's the volume. Like when Henry's actually on the field, his snap count really doesn't matter as much as the volume. Okay. And the volume has been fantastic. They've run him a ton when he's on the field. So even in games where Spears and Henry have similar snap counts, the touches for Henry are like 2x what they are for Spears, like maybe even more than that. So when Henry's on the field, they're generally running the ball a lot. And it'll favor more if it's a close game to have Henry on the field more. It's just snap counts, while it's something we look into a lot, this is a weird scenario where they just want to give the ball to Henry. That's that's it. When he's in the game, just give it to him. Grind out two, three, four, five yards each time, and then hope for a big run. Okay, good stuff. I had to, you know, clear my eyes here for a sec. We go to the last uh, round of picks, and, and I'm seeing an anytime t- touchdown bet. And Joe Gallant's not here. So, Brandon, you have an anytime touchdown pick this week. I do. I think it's my first anytime touchdown pick that I've done ever on this podcast. So, in Joe's oh, honor. Give me Austin Eckler to score an anytime touchdown against the Lions and even plus 100 odds. And that's what caught my eye. I, I, in my article at the end of each week, I have to make a pick for every single team. So sometimes I have to go digging a little bit and I had to go digging because I like the Lions, right? That was our look ahead last week. 
We we debated at the end of the show. Are we sure this is the right number? It was plus one and a half. It's now Lions minus three. I looked at taking them again because I still like the Lions even there. But I had to dig a little bit sometimes to say, okay, well, where's the value on the Chargers? I think there's real value on Austin Eckler. So this is the highest total on the board this weekend, 48 and a half. So with all the low scoring early games, this is the one that we think should have a lot of points. Eckler is totally back. He's getting his usual snap counts, usual carries per game. He was my preseason rushing touchdowns leader pick. Obviously not going to happen now with the injury time that he missed, but Kellen Moore likes to run the football into the end zone. Like that's how, that's how his offenses have gone over the years. I think of the, all the Cowboys rushing touchdowns that we've had. So we've seen, I believe, eight rushing touchdowns, just only three from Eckler because he's been missing all the time. But mm-hmm. he's also getting his reception targets back. Detroit is top five against wide receiver one. The Chargers only have a wide receiver one. It's just Keenan Allen and everyone else is hurt right now. So I think that's another spot where uh, anytime touchdown versus a rushing touchdown, I think Eckler is always going to be a threat to catch one. Touchdowns this year, Eckler's played five games. He scored at least one touchdown in three of them. So that's already better than 50-50, which is the odds we're seeing here. Go back to last year, he scored a touchdown in 14 out of the last 19 games that he played. It's a 74% hit rate. That would be more like minus 300, and we're getting a plus 100 here. So I asked Jill, I, I, I know he keeps track of all the odds here. He said that Eckler has been at least minus 120, as high as minus 200 every game this season and last season as well. The last time he's had a plus in front of his number was week one, 2021. So wow. plus 100, I think he's just way underpriced since he's kind of been away and we forget how much of a touchdown machine he is. I honestly would put him as the most likely touchdown scorer this weekend. And yes, Christian McCaffrey is playing this weekend. So that's <laughs> how confident I would be. Um, at the same book where he's plus 100, he is plus 600 to get in the end zone twice. He's done that in six of those last 19 games. That's 32% versus implied 14%. So you know I love my escalators. I think this is one to sprinkle a little bit on the double touchdown there as well. We're getting a lot of points in this one. I still like the lines, but give me Austin Eckler. Anytime touchdown, plus 100. All right, very good. Yeah, he found the end zone twice against the Jets on Monday night this past week. All right, Luke, final pick for week 10. I'm going to go with the Saints. Laying two and a half, there are threes out there at the Vikings, which, I mean, I I was on the Vikings last week and seeing what Dobbs did was just incredible. Uh, But that was a very emotional game. And I just think that the the market's overvaluing Dobbs at this point where the first couple games when he was with the Cardinals, like he looked great. And then everything fell off a cliff to like who he actually was. Um, And he was a bottom two or three quarterback in EPA in the entire league. Um, and when a backup comes into the game, like halfway through or whatever it was, like usually you tend to see teams kind of caught off guard because this isn't the guy that they prepared for. And that is probably somewhat of what we saw with Dobbs against the Falcons last week, which really like his passing numbers were tough. I know he didn't know any of the, know any of the plays and like the success came from his legs, which he is way faster than I ever thought he was. Uh, but this is just a spot where I hate laying it, especially on the road with the Saints, but they have looked a lot better. And the Saints are completely healthy, and the Vikings are not. You got Derisaw probably going to miss, Osborne probably going to miss, Hawkinson, we're not sure. So if you're telling me that Ladmore, who's probably one of the 
corners that does the most shadowing in the entire league is on Addison. Like mm-hmm. who else is going to be making a play? Like not that Cam Akers is like a threat, but he just tore his Achilles again. Um, so like, I just don't know who Josh Dobbs will throw to or who will make a play on this Vikings defense if those three guys are out. Um, and the Saints have put up 80, 80 points in the last 10 quarters. So an offense that was struggling, I love Taysom Hill. And I think he really is the difference. And I mean, that dude is just an absolute like monster like, in the red zone. Like just take Carr out and put Taysom in it, like Hill in. Like that. he's going to get hurt with just how he runs. But 80 points in the last 10 quarters for an offense that was struggling is definitely starting to catch his breath, I guess you could say. And Carr, like you do not, like the Saints team and Carr, when they have to win by margin, like that is an auto fade. Like that is one of the principles. Like and we saw it last week, like which is exactly why you played the Bears. Because the Saints could have covered that game a hundred times, but they just still didn't. Um, so like when Tomlin as a home dog, Saints as a big favorite, like those are like two of the principles. Like you just, it's just automatic. But Carr as a small favorite is actually 12 and eight against the spread. Um, which is a very small sample size, but he's had success um, relative to, I think he's like at 30% as a big favorite. So I'm more comfortable at two and a half, three, whatever it is, fading Dobbs. And this Vikings defense, like if you look at the receivers that they played in the last five weeks, you got Carolina, Chiefs, Chicago, the Niners, and Green Bay. And out of those teams, like elite receivers that they played, I would say DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, and that's it. And outside of those, like, they really haven't been tested. Um, so against the Saints defense, who's elite, I would say, this Vikings defense has looked better, but it does feel like somewhat of a, I don't want to say asterisk, but like who's really tested them. So I'll take Saints laying two and a half right now. I definitely look for the two and a half. Three, totally fine. Definitely wouldn't go higher than three. I don't think it's going to get there. So Saints as a small fifth. So do we know yet on Justin Jefferson if he's going to play? I'm assuming he's not. Like I, Okay. I you didn't mention his name, right? Yeah, like I didn't even like I know okay. he's they opened the practice window and he practiced yesterday in a limited capacity, but I would be shocked if he plays, which if he does play, like how healthy he is, but that would definitely like if he does play, he'd still be on the Saints, but we definitely would I would assume it would come down to like one and a half, um, which would be great. Okay. All right, very good. Hawkinson limited participant Wednesday, and like you said, unlikely we see KJ Osborne with the uh, concussion protocol. And for the record, uh, on the subject of anytime touchdowns, Taysom Hill, two to one this week, uh, third in that game as far as odds are concerned. All right, Grant, take us out. Grant, good job. This I just read the pick. I, good job, Grant. What's the last one? Give it to us. The last one is the Colts minus one and a half. And good job, Grant. This is pretty simple. Um, I mean, people are a little bit higher on the Patriots after they beat Buffalo. What was that two weeks ago? Um, mm-hmm. But or three weeks ago, there is a big, big, big difference between Belichick in divisional games and Belichick in non-divisional games. This year, 0-5 against the spread, 0-5 overall in non-divisional games, been outscored by like 100 points almost this season by non-divisional opponents. He's been absolutely terrible in non-division games. Since Mac Jones came, came around, he hasn't really been great as a home dog either. Two and six against the spread. They are just not the same team. And the Colts on the other side, they're a lot better team than 
people give him credit for. I know that Richardson not being in the lineup doesn't help, but Minshew has been a serviceable quarterback, and their run game is really solid. They tend to plan their game script around their opponent, so sometimes Minshew will throw the ball 40 times, sometimes run the ball 40 times. Probably going to be more of a passing game here. But still, like Patriots have close to a hundred point point differential this season and have blown been blown out massively in almost every non divisional game so far this season. They got beat by thirty four against the Saints, thirty five against Dallas, probably could have been worse than that one. They did keep mm-hmm. it close with the Eagles and the Commanders, but the Commanders really not a great team and neither is Vegas. Like they haven't played these great opponents. I mean, the Saints aren't a great team. They're good enough but the only real good non-divisional opponent they've played is the Cowboys which they got crushed by they're losing to bad teams in non-divisional games like the Colts are the better team in pretty much every single facet and one and a half points this spread I think is probably I wouldn't be surprised if it moves to three in this spot I'm getting it early I think it's going to keep moving and we need to mention that Bill Belichick I think is fully checked out as he walks out of someone's house this morning. I think I think he's just, I saw that. He's he's seventy one. <laughs> Doesn't have Brady anymore. Hey, what, he's what? going to Germany. Whoever maybe whoever he was, he's just he's it's it's a big trip coming up, you know? There's a you might gosh there's a clip that released of him I, like I no I saw okay. I saw it's I saw hilarious. It. But the, the patch is so bad. Like oh, Yeah it, Luke, did you listen carefully there? No Patriots and, this week, right? No. And honestly like <laughs> And speaking as a victim of the Patriots this year, like this team is like totally reminding me of like the Browns a couple of years ago where like they were the, the quote unquote sharp side every week because there was just like value and the Browns just continued to lose and not cover. And like I was probably a victim of that a couple of years ago. And if this gets to three, those will get gobbled up right away and it'll come back down. But like it's just, God, they're so bad. Ugh, they're I just not can't. Good. I'm wearing my Patriots hoodie right now and, Jesus. Yeah, you didn't cut the sleeves up to honor Bill. Um, good job. All right. He very should good. Be, they just need to get a new GM. That's what they need to do. Yeah. Like, he can be coached, whatever. Just no more GMing. Luke, Especially I look if he drafts. Like, he cannot draft Marvin Harrison. If he drafts Marvin Harrison Jr., like, hooray. But, like, that is the only way he's not going to be good is if the Patriots draft Marvin Harrison because every receiver they draft sucks. Stay tuned for spring 2024 when Luke Swain joins us for the NFL draft episodes on the Action <laughs> Network podcast where the Patriots will be selecting high and they'll probably trade down and get like three second round picks. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So as Brandon mentioned earlier, he got the Detroit Lions as an underdog at plus one and a half last week as his look ahead. So we'll monitor how that goes. The look aheads have been good to us here on the podcast. Look aheads this week when you include the look aheads. We're at 500 for the season overall on the Best Bets pod. But uh, this week, Brandon, you're going to a team you've backed before in a, in a rah-rah spot. Not a, not a blah-blah, but a rah-rah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, guys, I almost went with the grossest look-ahead pick of the year. I'll give you a little half-bonus look-ahead here. Giants plus eight, Tommy DeVito in Washington. 
Washington's an eight-point favorite against an actual NFL football team, which I think the Giants still are. That line has moved nine and a half points since the preseason number. You can't tell me Tommy DeVito is nine and a half points worse than uh, what he wa- what this team was. So I almost, almost did that one. Those games are usually close. But then I got to the Pittsburgh game, and I got to have my rah-rah. Steelers plus four and a half at the Browns. I think the Steelers win this weekend at home against the Packers, who are not very good. I had the Steelers as my hot read team. I looked at them again for this podcast. We talked about the Browns game earlier. They don't have a lot of offense right now. They're in Baltimore. They're big underdogs. That could get ugly. So that's a reason to grab this now. Last five weeks, the Browns are dead last offensively in DVOA. They're dead last in success rate, 36% success rate for their offense. and. Uh, Steelers, actually, the metrics really like the Steelers. I, I, I watch the same Steelers you guys do. I don't think it looks great. I don't like Matt Canada. And then every week I look and I'm looking at futures like, all right, now can I take the Steelers win total under? And every week it's like, oh, actually, the value is still on the over. There's still some value in the division. I'm like, what the heck? I don't understand. I think part of the reason is Pittsburgh has played the number one strength of schedule so far. So the numbers, you know, DVOA and some of those metrics are going to factor that in. And the numbers are a bit deflated and they just, they don't look that good. But Pittsburgh's defense, I think is closer to Cleveland's defense than the Browns offense is to the Steelers. And that's the big difference to me here. And then all the trends. Get to the raw round a second. But Kevin Stefanski, Browns coach, bad division, bad as a favorite. 29% cover rate at, in the division. cover rate as a favorite, 2-8 ATS as a division favorite. And then old rah-rah Mike Tomlin, week five forward as an underdog, 71%. It's better in the division, 74% as a division underdog. He in those games is 17-9 and straight up as a division underdog, 58% ROI. This is another game with a low total. So it's four and a half points, a lot of points. I'll take the Steelers on the road. Browns and Steelers have played 49 times this century. Cleveland has won nine times. They are four and a half point favorites with Deshaun Watson and no offense. No, thank you. Steelers four and a half. And I'll take the money line two plus 180. Rah, rah, Mike Tomlin. I probably do have a talent for understanding people, but is it a talent? It's not. It's listening when they talking. For real. Coaches like to think we listen. Coaches don't listen. They wait for dudes' mouths to stop moving. Yeah, exactly. DeBundo, take your blah, blah, and shove it for next week. <laughs> I think, I week think he was right on that blah, blah. I, I like the blah, blah idea, but this is a rah-rah spot. Really was good, the blah, blah thing. I really enjoyed that. Okay, that'll do it here on the Action Network podcast for our NFL Week 10 Best Bets episode. Again, we're presented by our friends at BetMGM. If you missed the full betting preview with Stucky and Raybon, the Sunday six-pack, that episode is available now. And be sure to tune in Monday morning for our weekly recap episodes. We've got Jill Gallant and Evan Abrams. Brandon stops by with his hot read as well. And as always, don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app to see all these guys as well as our other contributors uh, with the NFL at Action Network to see their picks as well. Very good. Thanks to Luke and Brandon, Grant Nee for joining us this week. Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to NFL Week 10 Best Bets episode here on the Action Network podcast. We'll talk to you again next week.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.